this carries on from part one in which I introduced the idea of a, a cutting off a, a very old Shiraz vine uh, back in France. Not in Turkey, you know, for a long time I thought the Shiraz grape came from Turkey, but uh, I, I think now it might have come from France. I did look it up at one stage, and, but I only half looked it up. Uh, but anyway, on with this episode. was not a young country it was an old country the day it got here just like that Shiraz vine uh, was an a very old Shiraz vine the minute it landed here and it was just as old as the Shiraz vine back in you know Syrah or wherever it is you know the region in France wherever the Shiraz vine comes from you know that's what I'm saying you know but all successive immigrations have been of a very of an entirely different nature is what I'm arguing, you can disagree with me. Go for it. Go for it, you know. But I say that all successive immigrations have come to pledge allegiance, yeah, by and large, you know, 99.9% of them, um, except a few refugees that came here to hate us, for example, and a few refugees here that came here to love us, you know. Look, the ones who, the refugees uh, um, who... Uh, what do they do? You know, I'm sure most of them want to fit in with Australia. But the point is, you know, and are good people, you know. Um, but they didn't come through the normal channels, you know, because through the normal channels you come here and you swear, you swear allegiance to Australia. You're becoming an immigrant to the nation state of Australia when you come here. Greeks, Italians, Afghans, everyone who came here after... Um, after um, the British got here, you were coming to a British place. You're an immigrant into a British land. Well, I think it's an important point to be labouring, so I'm going to labour it. <sighs> and even amongst those uh, waves of immigrants, the CV of one of those can't be used for another either. You know, the the, na- the conditions under which the Greeks and the Italians and the Eastern Europeans came here post-World War II, for example, um, you know, and that was a successful uh, wave of immigrants. It worked. Uh, it's because uh, we, the Austra- nation state of Australia asked them to come, essentially, you know, um, needed them and wanted them, you know, whereas um, a humanitarian wave of immigrants, such as might be the Vietnamese in the 1970s, um, they've been successful too. However, um, it was under entirely different conditions. They needed us. And with the Greeks and the Italians, we needed them. It's very different. The Greeks and the Italians had a softer landing. For that reason, a much softer landing. And it was a much more successful landing. I think it's been an easier trans. That was an easier transition. The Greeks and the Italians here, because the jobs were waiting for them. You know, we 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 actually recruited them. You know, so on their CV, they get to write. We were recruited to Australia. They asked us to come here. And I mean, Eastern Europeans too, and also you know, ten pound ten pound palms and the rest of them. All asked. They were all asked to come here. Now it might be evil that we only asked white people, for example, to come. Might be evil, but I'm not trying to argue that we were good. I'm trying to argue that we are a fully-fledged old culture, you know, 
There might be another podcast where I try and argue that we were saints. And there might be another podcast where I try and argue that we were devils. The point of this episode is to say that we have an old and rich culture, just as old as and rich as England's, for example, and arguably just as old and rich as, you know, Indigenous Australia, <coughs> as we came here, uh, because we go back 65,000 years easy in Europe. <sighs> and we go back 85,000 years and we go back 2 million years, just like the Indigenous people, to back to when we were all monkeys, or the cousins of the ancestors of the current monkeys, if you like. Okay, so I think it's an important point. And that, what was the point? That um, I don't think that the, the first... Look, I should get my big fat Mac out, my Macquarie Dictionary, and find out what the definition of an immigrant is. But in my head right now, I'm calling an immigrant for political and social purposes. Um, someone who comes into a land and a culture and the laws and the order... You know, and the structure of that land, the people of that land. So I'm talking about immigration. When you, Im- when you become an immigrant into Australia, you're becoming an immigrant into the political and social and economic structure that is Australia and an immigrant you know, into the Australia that is defined by the Constitution. You're not, you're not, and, when the, um, and when the British came here in 1788, they were not doing that. They weren't coming in to become immigrants within the political, social and economic system of the Indigenous people. They came here to push that culture off or away, you know, the land. You know. We came here to do cultural genocide on the Indigenous people and as but as bad as that might have been the point is that when we came here we didn't come here as immigrants into their land we came as england coming here to be england here now we're trying to change our minds now but i'm just you know i don't think it's healthy um to say it was something that it wasn't at the time you know and, you know, to rewrite history and say it was something other than what it was, you know, and try and paint it as an immigration a pol- into a political... An immigration in the sense that I'm talking, calling it an immigration. Look, I might have waffled on a bit there. Make of it what you will, you know. Make of it what you will. You know. I'll get back to... Finally, I'll get back to... What pub was it? Ah, oh, the Malvern Hotel, yes. So I ended up, I did end up talking about that Shiraz vine, didn't I, after all? (laughs) I'm in the Malvern Hotel uh, at the moment, and I could be anywhere, and I've had such a relaxing time for the last couple of hours while my wife has been at a birthday party, and, uh, and where would you want to be? in the world except for somewhere like here you know and you know this might be our culture just to to have a paradise uh, on this earth you know and uh and i've got to leave now but it's uh, you know now the atmosphere uh well 
Everyone here is happy. Uh, yeah, a lady just came up to the bar and said, uh, can I have my brandy? <laughs> and the barman knew what she meant and, uh, and uh, brought out a brandy for her, you know, knew the brand that she wanted. Uh, it was a Napoleon something or other. I don't drink. Uh, it's raining outside. I've just come outside because I have to pick up my wife. Um, and the cricket was on. Yeah. And... Uh, we're playing Pakistan and absolutely thrashing them, and it's part of our culture to enjoy that. <laughs> and, you know, and you might say, well, is that culture, you know, a sport? Well, you know, it's been going since, uh, since before most countries, you know, cricket, uh, Australia playing cricket. Uh, it's been going for a lot longer, year after year, than a lot of countries have even existed I know it's sport, but it's all part of culture. Um, in fact, uh, sport, uh, sport, you know, we were probably, you know, in, on many occasions, busy doing sport instead of doing war. You know, that sort of thing. People might say, oh, you know, you were just playing footy. Well, we had some great leader or other, you know, um, a hero of our nation, um, uh, charging into battle on a on a great white steed, fighting for our liberation or something like that. You know, and I'll say, well, you know, that might make your country greater than us, but it also might um, make your country lesser on another level. And I'm just talking about um, European Australia for a second. Uh, yeah, there's another side to Australia. There's another side to everything. There's, your country is better. My country is better in different ways, you know. But, um, you know, because the Indigenous experience is, was, you know, back then in 1872, might not have been one of, gee, this is great, the way we can go down to the MCG. It is now, you know, because uh, I don't know how many Indigenous players played back then. Uh, in the 1860s, 1850s, 1870s. Um, in, the, in the VFL, uh, our footy, which goes back longer, actually. Uh, I think we've got the oldest football competition, you know, what you might call Major League grown-up, grown-ups playing footy, uh, football competition in the world. I think we predate soccer um, and definitely predate American football and all that sort of thing. You know, we, we've got a very long tradition. And this is a little bit of a, you know, I'm almost advertising Australian culture, but I'm not really, you know. I think we, we are a shocking culture and the worst culture in the world, except for all the other cultures, uh, on some measures, you know. So I'm not really, you know, I, I've waxed lyrical about all sorts of cultures in this podcast, so I'm not a, an apologist for Australia all the time, you know. In fact, this entire podcast started off with a panegyric, if you like, on Ethiopia, you know, and I, and I waxed lyrical about Ethiopia, for about 10 episodes or something. And I talked about, you know, great leaders of Ethiopia charging into battle on white steeds and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not averse to all that sort of stuff, you know, giving someone else a plug. But, you know, I'm just saying that one country can't come to another country and say you've got no culture. Yeah. Otherwise we'd be all dead. You can't, you can't be, even be alive without culture because culture is 
your way of life. Uh, anyway, you know what I, where I was going with all of that, you know? Yeah, uh, but look, what I was, where I was going with all that is pity the country that needs heroes. Uh, all right. Um, and, of course, we ended up involved in wars and all that sort of stuff. Look, we were part of England back then. You know, retrospectively, people are trying to say that we weren't. Yeah, and we were just a bunch of immigrants. reminded me there's and this is a digression uh, there's a hackneyed cartoon that um, some wit uh, puts up every now and again draws it you know redraws it you know because it comes up over and over and uh, it's supposed to be you know uh, very incisive and uh, they get a picture of Captain Cook well Captain Cook's one of my heroes by the way but I'll get back to him um Another day, maybe. Uh, Captain Cook coming into Australia. And um, and then, you know, that's the first caption. And then they've got maybe Vietnamese boat people or, you know, um, boat people from somewhere else, Syria or whatever, during the, the height of, um, uh, you know, when Labour... Uh, when Labour shut down the our concentration camps, you know, Manus Island and all that sort of stuff, you know, Nauru. Um... I don't think they were concentration camps, you know. Uh, look, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. It doesn't really matter for the purpose of what I'm saying. And uh, anyway, in the cartoon, you know, we'll have two captions, you know, and it'll be Vietnamese refugees out of the Vietnam War. Uh, yeah, in the, in the shadow of the Vietnam War. You know, we felt guilty too. We caused that, you know. Yeah, because we followed along with America, you know. But we couldn't not, you know. <laughs> Because we're finished if we don't. Oh, dear. And uh, people say, oh, you know, you should yeah, do a New Zealand. Well, sometimes Australia, you know, we've got the bases. Um, sometimes you can't. You know. We're in the ANZUS Alliance, you know. Um, if, if, um, if America gets a cold, we sneeze, you know. Um, the, actually, and jeez, uh, I'm really digressing now. You know, it was like when we went into Iraq and I was with my mother-in-law pretty much the day that George W. Bush decided to go into Iraq, you know. And, um, and we said, oh, no, don't go in there, you know. And, uh, and my mother-in-law, you know, she's very conservative, actually, extremely conservative, hated George W. Bush going into Iraq at the time, so did I. Uh, but then... Yeah, you know, we couldn't not. Yeah, you know, we had George W. Bush, who we considered a dummy. Yeah, and then, um, and him saying, "Well, we're going to go into Iraq," you know, against the terrorists. Do you know how he spells terrorists? T e r r r r r r s t s. That's how George W. Bush spells terrorists. Mission accomplished. Anyway, um, so you know, George W. Bush is. We're going into Iraq, you know, and then, um, and then, the the British Labour leader of the time, Tony Blair, uh, goes bang. We're with w- George W. Bush, you know, and gave an impassioned speech in Parliament supporting the George W. Bush. Now, Tony Blair, you know, he's a very intelligent man. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's the sort of left-leaning uh, party in England. Uh, 
We have right and left in Australia and we have right and left in England, um, but our right wing and left wing in Australia you know, and that which is in England, the Tories and Labour over there, uh, I say bear no resemblance to the left and right leaning parties in America, you know, the values and ideals of Labour, our left-leaning party in Australia, I, I bear no resemblance, as far as I can see, to the values of the Democrats in America and um, the values of our Liberal Party in Australia, which is our Conservative Party, so to speak, um, yeah, they bear no real obvious, yeah, I don't think they're the same as the values of the Republican Party in America. You know, we're a different beast in Australia than America is. Uh, and, and I think our two left-wing parties are further apart. You know, the American left-wing party is a different species of left. Uh, yeah, sort of a sort of um, democratic socialist elite or something over in America is the Democrat Party, whereas uh, the Labour Party here really is, I think, essentially for the workers in a sort of socialist, sort of centre socialist kind of way, but not in the same sort of elite way that the Democrats are in America. It's a very different thing, you know. The Democrats almost seem to be after a certain world order yeah, where... Um, where a small a small number of people have all the wealth and um and do the glitz and the glamour on the red carpet and um soirees on Richard Branson's yacht with Paul McCartney and Meryl Streep there and all that sort of stuff um and Obama you know and all the beautiful people and they're all dazzling and uh and the and they want and, and the idea is for them to have everything um, but also, you know, money-wise, you know, to have all the wealth, um, but also to have uh, certain um, progressive values, you know, around LGBT and QI and um, feminism and uh, what else is there? And all that stuff, you know. Um, and people with disabilities and all that sort of stuff have these wonderful values at the same time as having all the wealth but also having the beautiful teeth and the glitz and the glamour and the red carpets and all that sort of stuff and, you know, celebrities and all this sort of stuff and Hollywood, you know, and uh, having everything but also having fine words and actually fine values when it comes to, you know, um, LGBTQI and all those sorts of things. So there is good in it. Um, but to have, all, have it all but also, and this is the dream, to have the peasants love you for it. Now that's the trick. Can you pull that one off? You know, and I think that's the Democrats a little bit. I think um, Australian Labor Party is a lot more grassroots. You know, um, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, and um, look, it's a question of what you think liberalism is. You know, yeah, arising out of the French Revolution and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Menzies, the founder of our Liberal, Liberal Party, very much and obviously uh, saw liberalism as uh, an ideal that will, you know, something that will come out of. Uh, and, you know, this is talking about Australian culture all of a sudden again, isn't it? And, you know, I accidentally come back to it, you know, because this episode is about Australian culture. I could pretend that was by design. Um, but, you know, Menzies said liberalism is achieved 
I don't know how he said it, but it was very close to this, through progressive conservatism. Uh, you know, you'll be most free through a conservative model, such as he was putting about, you know. Uh, whereas, you know, um, other people might say the people will be most free if we have a revolution. Well, the ones that aren't killed anyway, you know. Um, and that may be true or maybe not. Hasn't been true most of the time in the past. Look, some revolutions have brought about a better world after much bloodshed for a while. You know, the French Revolution, I think, in the end did. But the jury is still out on that, you know. You know, is capitalism going to fail in the end anyway, you know. Um, and, you know, socialism has had its turn too, but it's been a failure. Um, that's been a proven failure, you know. Capitalism, the jury's still slightly out. It still could work. We don't know. You know, um, seems like it's going to crash off and on. You know, off and on. Um, it's crashed a few times, but it seems to come back. You know, uh, capitalism seemed to be uh, seemed to uh, not work. You know, that sort of, and the whole Western liberalism seemed to not work. You know, in the middle of World War One, I, I would have said it was a failure. You know, but that was a hundred years ago. And during the Great Depression, I'd say capitalism is a failure. I might have said that, you know. Um, and yet it's sort of made a comeback, you know. Jeez, it just won't die. What keeps its carcass going? <laughs> I don't know. You know, global financial crunch. Yeah, Second World War, I'd say, you know, Western Western ideas are just terrible. Look at this. This is everyone dying, you know. The Holocaust, I would say, oh, no, Western liberalism is a mess. You know? And yet it keeps coming back somehow. It just won't die. Anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, I got off the track, but... All of this hints at Australian culture, uh, just hints at bits of Australian culture that I wasn't planning to talk about just then, uh, but I have. Um, and I, look, I do remember what I was talking about. Uh, people, you get this cartoon popping up every now and again. It's got Captain Cook, boat person. Yeah, and, and they have two captions. They have Captain Cook and his ship coming in and a little caption above it, boat people, you know. And then they have, not that Captain Cook was the first fleet anyway, but Let's just let that one slide, you know. Uh, Captain Cook was long dead uh, before Australia, yeah, before Britain even thought of coming to Australia, really, you know. He was long dead. He never knew the First Fleet came. Um, in fact, I don't think the First Fleet even would have come. I don't think Britain would have settled Australia had Britain lost the American colonies. Yeah, had... 1776 not happened had the american war of independence and all that not gone the way it went and you know they even they didn't plan for that to happen it just happened you know um yeah um britain didn't come to australia as some sort of um casual empire building um exercise you know like um oh we're just going to keep spread throughout the world until we got you know till the sun never sets on our it wasn't like that. England was desperate at the time. We came in Britain. Came here um, as a um, as a, a as a plan D. You know, not a plan A or a B or a C. Um, as a desperate plan D. Yeah, and um, and um, they were sending uh, Britain was sending convicts to the Americas. You know, I think it was Virginia. You know. I'll mention that later, and I might not. Um, and Maryland, I think, were two key sort of destinations. Um, and and I think Britain would have continued just sending convicts across to America, the American colonies. Um, but the Americans 
defeated Britain and Britain was in a lot of trouble. And uh, in desperation, they came to Australia. And really, just to, number one, get a colony going, a penal colony, not not to, you know... And uh, right at that moment, I don't think they had any grand plans to... Um, to take all of Australia, uh, they you know they kept their options open. Obviously, the options are always open. Um, do you know what I think? If England hadn't come to Australia and a few other places like that at the time, there'd be no England now. Now, it might have been the right thing to do. To you know, after you, they had lost the war to America, um, to not then. Um, uh, you know, with France on their doorstep, their great enemy, um, for England to say, oh, God, you know, we've lost America um, to that revolution and France has just had their revolution. They're looking damn dangerous. You know, Scarlet Pimpernel and bloody um, Les Mis and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so we're, we're actually in a lot of trouble here. Uh, we actually are on the verge of getting wiped out. And if, if France, you know, if, if, there's a, if there's a kid called Napoleon in France who ends up becoming very powerful, we could be wiped out here. However, it would be a bit naughty to go to another land and just take it off the natives there. Um, so let's not do that. Let's just sit here like sitting ducks. I suggest if I was an advisor to the government, to King George III, you know, what would I say? I'd say, get the hell over to Australia and take the bastard. You know, I might well say that. Um, I can't prove, I can't be sure that I wouldn't. Um, and especially if I had a 1700s head on, I might not even see that as a bad thing. And I might not even see, I might not even recognise that the, um, the indigenous people had any ownership over the land after I'd made a quick survey, you know, and gone through Captain Cook's notes and all that sort of stuff. And Captain Cook seemed pretty certain that the indigenous people were not asserting any ownership over the land. They were just wandering around, you know, um, with no sort of <laughs> nothing that Captain Cook could spot that resembled anything like them even caring about any given piece of land or not. So, you know, Captain Cook might have said, you know, if you come to Port Jackson or whatever, or you come wherever you want to come, Botany Bay, um, if you come over here um, and you just set up a little penal colony, you know, a tiny piece of land, leave the rest of Australia to um, the Indigenous people, they'll just go upriver and they'll be fine. You know, Captain Cook might have said something like that, and the British government, should they, know, should they have known any better, you know? Or, you know, did they have a 21st century sensibility? Oh, no, they didn't, because they weren't in the 20th, 21st century. Oh, you're so clever now, aren't you? Because you are in the 21st century, you know? And if you went back in time, you'd think differently, wouldn't you? Well, only if you took your 21st head with you, 21st century head with you, yeah. If you went back in time and forgot about all your ideals of the 21st century, which were brought about almost wholly by, you know, European Enlightenment thinking, um, you know, all your ideas, you know, of anti-slavery, all this sort of stuff, you know, surely that all emanated from Europe and England and all that sort of stuff, you know, and LGBT and all that sort of stuff. Well, you know, did that emanate out of Africa, Asia? You know, where did that come from? feminism and all that, you know? Who was the first country uh, to give uh, full political rights to women in the world? Was it Uganda? You know? Um, was it, uh, you know, was it China? Was it Japan? 
Oh no, it was Australia, you know. The first country in the whole wide world to give full political rights to women was Australia. There's another little, you know, another little aspect of Australian culture. At the same time, we were being horrible uh, to Indigenous people. And also, we had a white Australia policy, you know, which was a pretty much anti-Chinese policy. It wasn't so much to do with the colour of the skin, so to speak, you know. Um, At the time, look, it grew into that. You know, it was a very unfortunate thing, in my opinion, that it was called a white Australia policy. You know, it would have made a lot. It would have been. They could have just as easily called it a, you know, a non, a European um, Australia policy. Would have sounded a lot better. But oh, you'd have to put yourself back in the time. You've got a twenty-first head now, twenty-first century head. Why do I keep saying twenty-first head? Right, twenty-first century head. And, you know, and white was. You know, oh look. Yeah, it wasn't as to do with skin colour as it's put about now. It was much more an anti-Chinese rhetoric at the time. Um, and it was about wages and living conditions, and I think I end up talking about that again. More than skin colour, you know. Uh, the average pleb, you know, who, who's not interested in um, history would probably imagine that all the debates leading up to Federation were about skin colour. You know, we don't want blacks, well, it was actually more we don't want <laughs> yellows. You know, they weren't that yellow anyway, the Chinese. You know, they're more white and slightly tanned, a little bit like us, really. Um, the Japanese especially were pretty white, you know. It wasn't really... They weren't really yellow. You know, it was just a... We used to use skin colour terms, um, which weren't really about skin colour. You could be actually browner than someone and still be a white, and you could be whiter than someone and still be black, black you know what I mean? Uh, that's the way it worked. Um... But um, it was more a, just a handy categorisation system and all that sort of stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, it was pretty much anti-Chinese te- rhetoric, you know, coming out of the um, gold rush and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, the whole white Australia policy stuff, you know. Look, so at the same time as we were really pushing ahead of the world in football... No, sorry, that was what I was talking about before. Um, in uh, women's... Well, women's, well, emancipation, you know, women's rights. Um, we were heading, a, we were pushing ahead of the whole world on that. And at the same time, we were putting it in the white Australia policy and the women at the time liked that too. The women were, you know, very keen on their rights, you know, but, and this is the European women who would have called themselves white women at the time. Um, they didn't give a shit about black people. <laughs> It wasn't about black people. We don't have a... Yeah, it's not about black people here. Well, it's about Aborigines. Um, but Africans weren't on our radar. Yeah. We didn't have... We don't have a history with Africans, really. It's very recent. Our, even, uh, you know, our interaction with Africans is very recent. Uh, oh, what are you talking about? I can think of an example where an African came to Australia in, you know, 1810. Yeah. Um, this is not social media, you know. When I say we don't, we didn't have a history of Africans in Australia. Um, I'm not saying that you can't find an example of an African having been in Australia. Yeah, you know, in the 1810s, or the 17, even even the 1790s. I don't know. I don't know when the first African came here. You know. Um, yeah, this is the way social media thinks, you know, you sort of say something like, ah, oh, you know, there wasn't much African sort of, there were, we didn't have an African experience in Australia, we weren't sort of frightened of them, um, we were frightened of the Chinese, but when you say that, something like that, you know, someone says, I know an African, look, 
I found a clipping. I'm putting it up as a post. Ha! 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 Charlie says that we didn't have an African history and I just found an African that it was in Australia in 1810. So that proves he's wrong, you know. But I say that just proves you're an idiot and you've been on Facebook too much, you know, and you've forgotten how to think, you know. Generalisations are fine, you know, and the exception doesn't prove the rule and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but no, it was America that all the Africans went to for, as slaves. We didn't do that, you know. Um, we had acquired a different sensibility already. We were still racist as all get up. We were still racist as hell. And a lot of Australians still admired what was happening over in America and wished and wished we could do the same thing. We, we uh, kind of tried to do, you know, we did, some, we did as much as, of that as we could. You know, grabbing Pacific Islanders and kind of making them indentured labourers up in Queensland to, uh, on the cane fields, you know. Uh, but we didn't own them. It was brutal, it was horrible and all that sort of stuff and there was no practical way for them to go back and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't slavery in the same sense that America had slavery. It wasn't slavery. We don't technically have a history of slavery. I have a photo of a person in South Australia who had an Indigenous person who he was treating as a slave. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Didn't you hear what I said before? Get off Facebook, you idiot. <laughs> I'm saying as a generalisation, as a rule of law, you know, that guy in South Australia, he was, uh, he made some indigenous guy his slave um, outside the law. You know, so Australia did not allow slavery. That guy allowed slavery and actually he went to jail. You know, it's like, um, you know, oh, Europeans, you know did slaughters of Aborigines. Well, yes, that's true, you know. Sometimes they were fairly state-sanctioned or they turned a blind eye to the state, you know. And yes, that's bad, you know. But in those cases where, you know, Europeans were hung for killing Indigenous people, um, you know, is that Europeans gleefully killing Indigenous people or is it Europeans hanging Europeans for killing Indigenous people? That's often, often glossed over. Ah. And there was, um, there was one particular massacre, which is only interesting, you know, um, because, you know, you, you could put that guy up on your social media post, you know. It was a, an African-Jamaican um, came to Australia um, and he, he was, we hung him. Why did we hang him? Hung, why did we hang him? 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 Uh, because he was uh, slaughtering indigenous people, you know. Um, so, um, look, you get these exceptions. I'm talking about the rule. And, uh, and with that, I'll just get back briefly, uh, because I was on another tangent, but I got right off there, and I, but I enjoyed it. I like this stream of, stream of consciousness, you know. And, uh, Captain Cook, oh, I think he shot an Indigenous person when he got here, and yet he's a hero of mine. What's going on there? How can he be a hero of mine when he, you know, when he shot an indigenous person when he got here. And yet I think he was quite an enlightened person and, you know, um, pretty much more enlightened than you would have been, you, listener, if you had been around in his time. I'm amazed he only shot one. What on earth are you saying, Charlie? I'm I'm being serious, you know. Um, It sounds terrible, but, you know, if you try and apply 21st century sensibilities back into 1770, for example, in in that case... um, you're being 
highly, uh, what's the word, um, chauvinistic. Yeah, I think most people who um, apply 21st century morals in in judgment of people back in 1770 or 1570 or 1070, you know, or the year 70 when Hadrian did a Hitler and killed all the Jews, you know, when people do that, um, they're being chauvinists. Do you like chauvinists? You know, it's 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 a kind of um era chauvinism you know you are so smart you know because you happen to live in the 21st century yeah and you've you know you've done deep reflection haven't you you're about 25 and you've done deep reflection about what's right and wrong in the world and you've come up with these ideas all by yourself you did not you know you don't know it but you're parroting european enlightenment ideas mainly you've had the benefit of all that um you're a parrot you know, you think you've gone off and found yourself. That's what you think. You know, you think that you reached into your own psyche and you worked out what was right and wrong in this world, you know, and you and you worked out that feminism was right, you know, and LGBT is right and all that sort of stuff, and it all came from you, didn't it? Did not. You know, you wouldn't have come up with those ideas if you had been born in 1770. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Only about two people on the whole planet were running those ideas back then. I think Mary Wollstonecraft, what, what year was she? Yeah, people like that, very rare, you know. Um, and you think you're going to be one of those two people on the whole planet that was coming up with these ideas? Are you one of those two geniuses? Oh, bulldust, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't have been, you would have hated LGBT, you know, with your exact head. You know, you think you... Um, are a font of um, personal wisdom where, you know, like Buddha, you can go and sit under a tree for 40 days and come up with wondrous sort of ideas of human rights and all that sort of thing. You wouldn't have even known what human rights were. You know, you would have been anti... You know what you would have voted for back in 1901? You, whoever you are. Odds on, I say this, odds on you with your head and everything you feel and think honestly feel and think, if you had been around in 1901, you would have voted for the white, pol- white Australia policy. I pretty much guarantee it, because I don't think there were many people against it. In fact, was there anyone? I know one person. I'm just going to put it up on a social media post, and you're wrong, Charlie. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's get back to the episode here. Yeah. But I enjoyed that. Yeah.